All right, welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. And come Friday night, he's going to be a billion dollars richer. It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? I never have numbers to play. Oh, yeah? Wait, all right. So we were talking about this off air. Yeah. Don't you have to play five numbers to play the numbers? Yeah, it's five numbers and then a... uh a powerball number so yeah so mm. it, it, it's six total numbers so pretty much whatever so i play two one one two one one or or you just do I, I think most people do the quick pick oh where they guess for you yeah 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 oh fuck that now i worked at a deli for a long time where someone would come in with a weird little notebook <laughs> and keep me there for like seven minutes being like okay next one four eight six two four seven times okay next one i did that shit a lot so i think i would like enjoy being that guy yeah now to tell the people the number 211 i won't go into the murky details as i just told denny but your boy over here almost almost got into trouble and was about to get locked in europe and not be able to go home because of a passport (laughs) issue i boofed it it's my fault. What are you going to do? But, you know, in a, in a couple, two, three very anxiety-ridden days, I was able to apply for renewal. And as I was inquiring about the renewal, I got a text from my wife saying that it arrived and it's here. And both texts happened at the same time at 2.11. So I think those are my numbers. Yeah for how long i don't know the life of the passport next 10 years see two eleven my numbers that two and 11 are two of my roulette numbers mm, too so this is was, all yeah this is this is interesting i go sports numbers only so always, i go well always. lucky number eight i was always number eight in like sports so i i go with that eight fourteen uh, 23, because you always got to throw a little gotta Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, you, you got to play, play Jordan. Like, <laughs> I'm always on 23. <laughs> um, yeah. 34 now has entered the rotation. Giannis. Oh, for you. Oh, sure. Giannis. Sure. Um, and then, you know, you've always got to end with a nice 69 when you do the lottery, right? Stop. <laughs> no, you don't have to. You know, it's a funny one for me. 33 will always be played mm. in perpetuity for Patrick Ewing. Yeah. As 33 <laughs> will never be a number that doesn't relate me to Patrick Ewing. I think it's because of my brother. Yeah. Big Knicks fan. I believe his email for a while was the BJC 33, yeah. which means the black Jewish camel, by the way. Um, <laughs> for those of you playing along at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so I got to go play the numbers. So, all right. Let's talk about this then. Yeah. Say I hit. Mm-hmm. You have an option, right? Don't you have like, okay, you'll get paid like $800 million. We tax you like $200 million, or you can do like monthly payouts yeah. or something. Yeah. Are you got taking take, the annuity? Yeah. Got to take the cash up front, right? Oh, no, man. You take this over time. You take this over time. Well, what's my first? But, but let's talk. What's my first check then? If I'm taking it over time, so, I mean, it's a lot to cut up there. So you, pro- I mean, you probably get. I don't know. Like, if if it's a billion dollars, like it is for tonight, you probably get like a million a month. Because I, I could, I you know, I who knows? I'm getting old, Denny. Oh come on! I, I could die at any time. <laughs> I want the game changer money right off the bat, so I could just 
I so I can play around in the like in the dirty, murky waters of whatever happens in the upper crust of like I've already infiltrated some worlds. You got to know yeah. this. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't supposed to do what I did. Like I've I've infiltrated my whole life. Generation. I can <laughs> if I can proper infiltrate the upper crust oh. and put like my shit in there, you know, like all of a sudden, like. <laughs> Instead of a country club, you have like, you know, the Isaac Hayes Museum and playground for children. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the shit I would do with my buddy. So give me the money. I'll do cool shit with it. I won't do Charles Barkley stuff. You know, I uh, I, I saw that this uh, uh, somebody won a five hundred million dollar jackpot a couple of years ago yeah. and they went and built a water park. The water park lasted one season. Yeah, I think so. I actually listened to a podcast about this, Denny, and the the rate of people's lives being absolutely destroyed after winning the lotto is very high. Yeah. Like most people completely fuck up their lives after. So I kind of want to consider this in like a Brewster's Millions sort of way. Like <laughs> it was never my money. Right. Yeah. Like I'm going to get rid of this in like 30 days and go right back to my life. I'm just going to put it out there in the most bizarre ways. It'll pay back to me. I'm like, this is like LeBron James's promise school, but my version. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just tossing money into cool shit all over the world. And then I'm going right back to what I do and where I live back to my normal life. And then whatever trickles back, trickles back. And you know what segment always trickles back, Benny? I don't. It's this day music history. It's a tough one today, wasn't it? There were a lot of uh, potential options here for this day in music. You know history. what was tough today? It was like I've been having a hard time not doing like. So, so recently, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts that are basically ruining every band I've ever liked. Oh. Okay. Like from the 60s, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, so I've been trying to do positive ones. So no more music is ruined for me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. half of the 60s has been ruined for me in like the last six months listening to podcasts because everyone was a total piece of shit. So we got to keep it posy in this day in music history, yeah. right? Posy, of course. So this one... You know, I don't think people would expect me to be a Strokes fan. Hmm. I like the Strokes. If you like, if you never told me anything about the Strokes and just gave me one of their records, I'd be like, this is really good, especially like a couple of their records. And one of those is, is this it? And on today in music history, on July 29th, the Strokes released, is this it? Hmm which kind of changed like a little bit of like the course of pop music for a little while. Like you had that early turn into this, you know, people going back to garage rock and street rock a little bit. And like all of a sudden there's handsome guys in New York wearing cheap trick pants again. And I'm like, Oh, this is kind of <laughs> sexy and cool. And I think as time goes on, that scene that popped out at the time, uh, you know, covered well by Lizzie Goodman and Meet Me in the Bathroom. Great. Um, 
I think it's gonna gonna live on in infamy as an important time in music where you saw some major shifts, and this record was a big part of it. So I'm making that this day in music history. That's awesome. Keep it posy. Keep that posy. entire scene posy. going along because don't talk to me about John Phillips or or uh, David Ruffin anytime in the oh, next. Gosh, okay. Yikes. Oh. All right, Benny. Well, I'm going to take it back to the 60s. I have been completely trashed for you by podcast. On this day in 1966, <laughs> Bob Dylan was riding his motorcycle to a garage near his home in Woodstock, Whoa. New York, for repairs when his rear wheel locked. Dunzo. Uh, Dylan lost good. control and was o- uh, was thrown over the handlebars, suffering a broken neck vertebrae. Um, his recuperation period sent him into... Uh, reclusivity he was just not out on on front street and pretty much hid for the world and uh was creating internally so yeah uh so we may got some pretty neat stuff out of it but uh definitely don't want to see anybody get thrown over the handlebars so this day 1966 uh maybe changed the entire trajectory of dylan's life who knows i think things like that change the entire trajectory of music yeah you know what i mean like like think about the body of work Bob Dylan put together from 1966 forward and what if he was part of the club part of the early 20s club who had a couple of great records and then went away like think of how much we missed it's so as the uh Al Pacino said this is a game of inches Denny you know? <laughs> I wasn't sure if you going any given Sunday or, or heat there because the scene with De Niro and him but uh yeah oh my yeah, god it's a game of inches it's a game of inches Dylan goes three inches to the left I don't have most of the time one of my favorite songs mm. in history, you know? Yeah. Like like these things matter. We're Was, lucky all the time, brother. Woodstock. So like the actual town of, of Woodstock, New York, not the festival that was an and an hour south, which is like crazy how that whole thing happened. But I gotta uh, say, especially in sixty six, yeah, probably a great place to ride a motorcycle. Oh yeah. For real. Oh, a lot of hills. Fun up there. A lot, lot of hills, a <laughs> lot of turns. Yeah. It's fun. Fun. I can't imagine what that entire town was like back then because like you go yeah. to it like now and it's almost like tries to act like it was stuck in like nineteen sixty six and 1970s, but yeah. I think you know what? Like I go up to that area a lot and, mm. and it's really rural. It still is, you know. A lot of the lifestyle up there is really it's about farming, it's about the outdoors still, you know, like yeah. all the normal stuff. And then I think even in the sixties you had like you had the same thing you had rich new yorkers who had cars and ways to get up there like it wasn't i think there was less of them yeah but bob dylan was probably just spending a lot of time in like manhattan he met like you know someone in the music industry who was like super rich and had a house up there and started hanging out and then found a cafe and like the same yeah. fucking foofy shit that happens now. <laughs> Great film festival up there. See you guys in a couple months over there. But uh, by the way, Ooh. I love for the viewing audience on YouTube right now, like Be- Benny's going full Phantom of the Opera. Like for, for a lot of this, we can only see half of his face. Which is Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which way should I go? This way? A little... Right there, right there. But then move your body. Like your body's got to be a little bit more centered. Like line up with right us here. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now I'm sideways. <laughs> All right. Well, you can <laughs> fix yourself while I read this next headline, Benny. Uh, first headline today, Benny. How much would going. you pay for a single concert ticket? 
There we go. Much better. Um, okay. Let's, let's well, hang out here. Apparently, if you're trying to see Bruce Springsteen in 2023, it's going to cost you. Ticketmaster has instituted a sliding price scale for uh, platinum seats, uh, which caused some Bruce tickets to go up words to five thousand dollars or more that's crazy yeah um the system quote enables market-based pricing uh adjusting prices so pretty much if you've ever ridden uh uber or lyft it's like surge pricing but for concert tickets um ticketmaster thought this was a good idea to try to eliminate the resale market um so yeah uh First things first, Benny, is this a good idea for Ticketmaster to try to eliminate this resale market by essentially enacting uh, these surge prices? Well, I mean, something needs to be done about the resale market, but I'm not sure if Ticketmaster is the person to do it because last time I looked, it's a fucking nightmare ordering tickets on Ticketmaster. Yeah. You know, I'm still a normal person every once in a while. I bought seats for my dad. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like went through Ticketmaster, got him a couple things for something. As usual, I'm by the end of it, I'm like, what the fuck am I paying for? Yeah. I just paid twice the amount for my ticket and God knows what it just went to. It's just these, you know, this series of fees and steps and percentages that they just add along the way. And before you know it, it's what people think is just normal. And then they can keep adding on to that. And before you know it, it's just absurd. And I think it's at that absurd point. So, you know, if Ticketmaster really wanted to help, it's not their job to eliminate the the, the resale market. It's their job to fix their own site and make tickets more cheap and accessible to people and cutting out some of the middlemen, which they know they can do. Like, seriously. Um, and Ticketmaster is about to sell a ton of my fucking tickets for too much money. And I, I hate it. I don't know what else to do at this point. You know, I'm a drummer in a band and I need to make some money myself. And, you know, like you get stuck inside these systems that you know are incorrect. Pearl Dram tried to take it on. Like, I can't do it. <laughs> so, so I know it's bad, but I don't really know what you're supposed to do about it at this point. Especially, you know, like maybe on this level, there is something to do about it. But it is a problem. Now, to deal with this Bruce thing, like, you know, I heard $5,000 a ticket and the the normal guy in me just shudders at first, you know, just the sheer number. Like, it it seems astronomical. Then I consider that, like, every single time an NBA team takes the court, there's rows of people who pay two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars for courtside seats to see 90 minutes of somebody playing a sport. You know, uh, if if uh, the, if this was Pavarotti or some crazy theater ticket or something that cost $5,000, no one would bat an eye. You wouldn't even know about it. I think it's like the rock and roll tinge that makes like the money uglier for some reason. Mm. Like, like Bruce Springsteen is like, the, he's a connectable person. He's the everyman. And, and, he kind of is like, I've actually met the guy and he comes off like that, you know, <laughs> like, like it really seems like this is the type of dude who like, you know, would do this. I watched him take out the trash at someone's house. So like this is kind of a real dude, but then at the same time, this is about value, you know, and this is like a career of hard work, like 40, 50 years of it. And you're going to like pay for like an amazing night 
with the twilight of one of like the all-time great performers and if it's worth that much to people to pay that price that means that's how much it's valued at so there is like a simple thing to it as with everything is like if you're that offended by the price don't go to the Bruce Springsteen show and the price will go down but you know what people are going to pay it because they want that seat and they want to see it and that means he's worth it and like if there's anybody we're gonna like you're about to pay a baseball player half a billion dollars it's gonna happen in the next year or two like so when you put it in that context I don't give a shit if Bruce Springsteen gets paid that much money and I want him to get paid that much money. Like Jeff Bezos just made more than Bruce is worth in like a week. You know, like like that's that's real money. That's crazy money. This is like rock and roll performer money. And if there's anyone I want to see get it, it's him. So pay the fucking cool people, you know. It's a little hard to swallow, though, because after we just talked for like a few weeks about uh, how Bruce sold his entire catalog for half a billion dollars. So it's like, listen, I get the $5,000 ticket range and the price if you go to see him in Tulsa, Oklahoma is going to be a lot more than if you go to see him at Madison Square Garden or wherever. I, I, I understand that. But, you know, there was a, a band a few years ago that put a cap on the dynamic prices. You can put like like the market can fluctuate depending on on the demand but it can only hit this amount of price i think if you put um, a, a cap on it nobody's upset that seems realistic that seems reasonable i mean has there been uh like um any explanation from the well, Bruce camp about this it's funny you mention that because john landau clap back in the new york times he said that uh, a modest number of their tickets so like not too many sold for more than a thousand dollars but he said the true average price for the seats that went on sale was in the mid 200 range which he'll play between 20 and 30 songs see when i go to a, a, a concert i i always kind of when i'm throwing down money i'm like okay how many songs am i going to get out of this so you get like per song and if you kind of do it that way if he plays between 20 and 30 songs that's a, that's in like 15 a, bucks what eight bucks a song? seven dollars ish yeah. yeah that's not too bad yeah by the way do you want a quick gaslight update because i did this black market research for, for you guys you guys oh no 35 bucks to get in the All door. Right. That's good. Okay. And, and you guys okay. play between 20 and 30 as well. So pretty okay. good. Okay. You know what would offend me? What? If I found out like Bruce's crew was sleeping at Motel 6. <laughs> like shit like yeah. that. Like, because when I hear this too, like you got to imagine one thing. And there's there's one thing like I can pull back the curtain on. Like, like when he shows up to a show, everybody there is getting paid by the Bruce Springsteen Foundation that day. You know what I mean? Like security, concessions, fucking merch, like every truck that's back there was the gas, the driver, like everything was paid for by that. It's a gigantic production. You know what I mean? Like, so there is just at the baseline, a, a type of cost that you incur that you do have to pay back, which is like really substantial. Yeah. You know, I mean, essentially... It, it, it's not like, you know, you've been to these stadiums and stuff like they're not concert ready. Right. So when you're offered this stadium, you're essentially renting it for the day and you show up and you either have to go, OK, what's the audio company staging company you usually use? We'll 
pay this fee for that. Or this is all of our audio and staging that we own that we're bringing into this place. But like both of those things are like such massive undertakings on a level like I can barely even understand <laughs> that there's there's a lot of shit to this, you know? So that's where it's like, you know, I think at the very least, there's a lot of people who like fix guitars and put up lights and drive trucks and do the types of things that that you would, you know, view with with more uh, honor at, at times that are, 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 you know, getting paid. Wow, I sound like a conservative. I for know, Bruce right? Bracey. I'm like, I'm talking crazy. about trickle, trickle <laughs> down <laughs> economics right now. Oh my god, <laughs> what is happening? Yikes! Oh, oh man. I got to get back to the city, Denny. Fuck. So I, I, I guess we can start the uh, the complete speculation based off of Benny's comments here yeah. that Bruce is going to show up with Gaslight at some point. This. Yeah, this is absolute. <laughs> If you want to call me a total fucking sycophant right now, you could do that. I'm guilty. I'm oh, totally guilty right now. I would too. You know, you got to support the people that support you. Like Listen, otherwise, man, in this life, what you are know? you doing? <laughs> oh, you know, you know what Derek Jeter said. <laughs> what is loyalty? Say? Loyalty <laughs> in one way is stupidity, right? Oh, yeah. All right, get me out of this topic. All right. I, I feel like a shill. Oh, do you want to talk a little Paul Savino here? I do. All I right. Do. So, to, not to kind of uh, bring down the mood here, but uh, Paul Sorvino, who started Mark Scorsese's Goodfellas, one of my personal favorites, and was uh, on early seasons of Law & Order. He died this week at the age of 83. Uh, Sorvino was born in Brooklyn, and uh, as I said, he was in Goodfellas. He played Kissinger and Nixon. He was in Dick Tracy, The Rocketeer, For the Love of Money, uh, Robert Mitchum's and uh, Bruce Dern's The Championship Season, which he was also in on Broadway. And he got a Tony nom for that as, as as well so uh and uh also oh in this remarkable imdb warren Beatty's red so just like a bunch of things that touch a class as well um and really is the the, the trend of the summer that this generation of actor you know we saw james khan uh we saw ray liotta um paulie walnuts from sopranos that was happened between our, our last recording and now so just an, an entire generation of of actors that seem to be on their way out and um you know we've we will honor these people as long as they're here but uh we seem to be losing this generation but uh and that really bums me out but Servino, heck of a, a, a legacy uh with goodfellas so just uh how will you remember him yeah i mean well goodfellas obviously the iconic role mr 3000 mm. great one the Forgot cooler one, yeah. the old law and orders like and then, you know, you look and he had 20 years under his belt even before Goodfellas. So it's just one of those, you know, uh, acting traditions like you just got used to his face and his name. And then, it, you know, his, his daughter is a great actress. Yeah. And it's just brings on this great tradition of uh, uh, of acting. Um, so, yeah, big ups. But I mean, I'd say my iconic scene that like carries me on for the rest of my life is just the jail cooking scene and watching him slice the garlic with the razor blade and like the way he's doing it and the way he controls dinner and when he gets the wine and just like all right here we go now we're eating it's like this weird i don't know it's just this like beautiful scene in yeah. this weird way that shows so many dynamics and is also just so widely entertaining like 
I've been misquoting the he slices the garlic so thin it melts in the pan line like since since I was like 12 years old. So I think that's the most iconic thing that sticks out for me. Hey, Danny, I got an idea. Yeah, what's up? In in the spirit of what you just said, honoring these people when we were around, how about every once in a while, if we don't have an RIP to do, let's bring in someone and celebrate their career before they're gone. Yeah. You like, know? Like on the guest line, like in the on, on, yeah, on like, the YouTube like, broadcast? Like the living funeral kind of thing, oh, you know? Man, man. Like let's be nice. All right. Let's, so let's just next time be like, oh, you know what? Gene Hackman. <laughs> Let's yeah, he's still around. I don't think he's listening to the show, but you know, you know, and I don't think that there's in in all of media there's no bigger defenders of Hoosiers than us. So, Gene <laughs> but uh, wait, so who would be your top five people if oh. I could get on? And and I'll reach out to the PRs. <laughs> oh, are we talking actors? Yeah, or whoever, whoever. Who who, who do you want on the tune up? Put it in oh the comments on YouTube. This too. is tough. Yeah. This is tough. Is Rod Carew still Rod alive? Car- Actually, <laughs> I have a Rod Carew link. I'm I'm not even kidding there. Okay, okay. You I'd be terrified to talk to Rod Carew. <laughs> I can't co- I can't come in my top five on the spot because all I can think of right now is Gene Hackman and Samuel L. Jackson right now. So, oh, uh, Samuel maybe a, a little bit trickier to get. Sam but, uh, Jackson looks like just like a fun chat. Like yeah. anytime I see him, he's. I think he'd ask you a lot of questions, like an engaging guy. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Spike, by the way, uh, my guy Chris Herring's book got optioned by Spike Blood at at, at the Garden. Ah, so there you uh, go. maybe maybe a little Spike Lee action. But, I like uh, that. I yeah. like that. So we All will right. keep hey. it rolling. Um, if, if if there's someone that you are like, hey, maybe Wanna these guys could get them. honor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tune up HQ. Hit us up there. DMs everywhere. They're open. All right. Well. Not not to treat this next story like a death, but it kind of is for me. Benny the Chaco Taco, it's no more. Uh, the, the, the Klondike dessert got the axe as the company looks to, uh, looks to focus in on its other products. Uh, the, the, the creator notes that the supply chain shortage that has been plaguing a lot of different I- industries is one of the big reasons how the Chaco Taco met its demise. Wow. Benny... This is my favorite ice cream truck place. So in the spirit of top fives today, Friday top fives, um, Choco Taco is is on the top of my Mount Rushmore, my top five. What's your ice cream truck top five? Okay. Um, well, let me talk about the Choco Taco okay, first. Please, okay? please do. A little bit. Because I do have a special relationship with it. Because... It was the when I was younger, you know, I think I had a large gap before I visited ice cream trucks. So I only remember Choco Taco being available at Taco Bell. Oh, yeah, that's right. And like like in the 90s, like the only place you could find a Choco Taco is at Taco Bell. And there was one Taco Bell in like my entire county that we used to like drive to. Like it was far. Yeah. And we just love Taco Bell and make special missions to go out there and always closed it out with a Chaco Taco. So that's why it kind of has a, you know, sentimental place for me. But I got to say, I think Chaco Taco was like the band Rush. <laughs> you know, like not everyone wants a chewy shell-like substance with their ice cream. Just like not everybody likes Getty Lee's vocals. <laughs> I think Choco Taco had a very niche audience and it was never like a top of the charts ice cream, you know? Mm. So I'm not, I'm not totally surprised to see it get the ax. I'm afraid. 
I'm super surprised because I kind of thought that uh, Chaco Taco was good humor, and which is like good humor mm. is like the Marvel to like Klondike's DC, like right, like so 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 to kind of see that they were on like like the Batman super si- su- uh, Superman side of things was a little bit surprising for me. Yeah. All right, now let's go top. See, it's funny you say top five because this is gonna this is gonna show something about me, which is I am an insane creature of habit. Mm. I like what I like, and I literally don't even think I've ever gotten more than three items at an okay, ice cream so truck. So then, top three, and that's because my three items are number one, Chipwitch, one hundred percent Chipwitch. This is an easy, you know bet choice for me yeah number two chocolate vanilla swirl in a in a cone yeah soft serve delicious maybe some sprankies <laughs> and on the off chance i'm just feeling like it i'll take myself an ice cream sandwich yeah besides for that those little fruit pops the things with the ears like all the no thanks that that's my top three forever and always What's yours? All right, we got to stay traditional here. Obviously, no, n- number three, uh, we got you know just a uh, chocolate vanilla soft serve. Nothing like it out of the Mister Softy. But then when I get into like 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 the good humor and like the Klondike things, number two, the strawberry shortcake pop. Oh, love see, that! Yeah, love that. I just ignore those. I yeah. ignore those. Um, honorable mention for me before I get to the one. Love me a, a, a ice cream sandwich. If it's shaped like Mickey Mouse, I'm even happier. Um, and number one, the Choco Taco. So, and there was a ice cream truck. So where I grew up, rural New Jersey, you played up there. The ice cream truck did not exist. And this oh, is like right. mid 2000s into yeah. like whenever. So when bad we for got business one, up there. Yeah, houses are, like, are far apart. Yeah, three kids and like yeah, ten miles. But on select summers, we would have it. And it would show up, and it would like rock my an entire world. And they it was had, like a, an angel. Oh. Yeah, and they had a short-lived choco taco that was the fried choco taco that instead of vanilla ice cream had cinnamon ice cream. I like that. Yeah, great. Which is interesting because the only two desserts you could get at Taco Bell <laughs> were the churros. Yeah, and so I like that they mixed the the churros and the uh, and the choco taco. That sounds so, pretty good, actually. Well, rest in peace, choco yeah. taco. Uh, you know what? That's an easy thing to recreate at home. Yeah. So maybe we'll see some cool homemade Choco Tacos now. Looking at you, Tarico, make it. And you yeah. charge $15 for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Benny. Next headline today Benny, Saudi Arabia is looking to reinvent society. And no, we're not talking about Liv Golf and Phil Mickelson. Uh, the Middle Eastern country is building a city that is in a tall, narrow stripe. That will and the the wall will run 105 miles long. Uh, team and it, they're hoping to team it with nine million residents running on completely renewable energy. So they're selling this as a oh hey uh, you want to be eco friendly? Come to Saudi Arabia. We're li- we're living so clean. So mm-hmm. um, and everything in this uh, structure will be you'll be able to run your entire daily life uh within five blocks like everything you need will will be right there it'll stretch uh from the dead sea eastward into the desert into the mountain range so across all of saudi arabia but benny here's the 411 on the building so uh it will be only 20 meters wide which 
I'd get a little claustrophobic, I think, which is about 220 yards, so two football fields wide. That's all mm-hmm. that, That's all you get for the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It will rise 500 meters above sea level, higher than the Empire State Building. Uh, as I said, residents will be able to run errands within a five-minute walk, which that means that's a lot of grocery stores. I don't know how supply chain is going to work there. Uh, there will be no cars or roads, so completely carless society. And uh, the high-speed rail will take you from one end of the country to the other in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So 105 miles in 20 minutes. I don't know. That sounds uh, okay. But uh, fast, Benny, fast, Benny. Are you joining the likes of Phil Mickelson, Charles Barkley, and moving to this society in Saudi Arabia? Well, you just mentioned <laughs> two people who are definitely not Jewish. First off, Charles. <laughs> Charles Barkleystein <laughs> Bar- doesn't have to worry Barkle- about that shit. Yeah, Barkleystein <laughs> doesn't have to worry about that. Oh, <laughs> See, I mean, that's my first question. Anytime you're dealing with Saudi Arabia, and I know this is like we're talking about in a joking way, but this yeah. is like just like any country. I'm not playing that, but like this is some, some awful, awful, awful things and blood on its hands. And this is where like I think about this building and it's like who gets to live in there? And under what kind of restrictions? Yeah. And, you know, this like magical video they made that I watched. It was a lovely, good video. It was a great video. It it was a lovely representation of something that doesn't really exist there, to my knowledge, which is uh, freedom, especially for women. And, you know, it had a woman just living her life freely in this in this video. And I'm pretty sure that's not how it goes there. Can I live in that building? Oh, come on. Come on. I don't think I'm allowed. Gaslight will go... play once a week. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we'll go play. We'll go play the crown prince's like his his kid's sixteenth birthday or something. What's what's the equivalent of a quinceanera in, in Saudi Arabia? I don't know. Any but, guess I have would be offensive. So continue. And then just on top of that, like maybe just consider me scarred from Xanadu oh. and the destruction of the Meadowlands yeah. and Giant Stadium. But my faith in the completion of these projects is virtually nil. Yeah. You know, and when you when you tell me something is supposed to be uh, the size of the Empire State Building running a hundred five miles. Yeah. And then a train that's going to be next to it that apparently can bring you 105 miles in 20 minutes. I'm sorry. I've never seen anything uh, even close to that be completed. And I don't see it happening. Like, like Elon Musk can't even get his fucking train across L.A. to like yeah. open for people. Yeah. So I, 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 I think this is a. a no, I th- it's probably the same as live. It's just this like. It's just a country with like a huge, 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 uh, you know, like unimaginable amount of money, like basically part of this like massive marketing campaign right now yeah. to like sort of normalize itself to the world. And I don't know, it seems like it's fucking working a little. And that's kind of the scary stuff. It's like the things people will quickly like, you know, shutter their eyes to once you just put a little gloss and glamour on it. It's it's bread and circus. It's the same shit that's been going on for like thousands of years. It's the same reason we had gladiator fights and shit. It's just keep the people focused on something else when something larger is at work. And I just think that's all that's happening here. Yeah, this is this is actually an, an, an incredible thing to see because they're they're almost acting like like they're running scared. They're like, oh, like like with people moving to electric cars in the next ten years, let's build this like 
uh, right. Wally-esque society, but it, 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 it's on Earth, and we're all just going to be floating on futons and shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, Wally-esque. That sounds fun. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, but like we saw what happened to the people in that movie. But, uh, no, I mean, right. their, their, their entire thing... And the reason why I, I don't doubt that we're gonna see this is, I mean, like look at look at the rest of the area. They've like built cities and oceans out of nothing. So yeah, true. we're gonna see it, uh, and I'm sure it's gonna like they're gonna try to make it look super glamorous to live there. But I don't know. <laughs> Are you skeptical? <laughs> oh come on, come on! We would not be doing our job on this podcast if I was not skeptical. And but I'm not gonna go too far because you don't know where they are. Or, yeah, and and as you heard in the beginning, <laughs> I'm now a conservative trickle down <laughs> economist. So, so Denny, this project is it's going to create a lot of jobs. You know, it's going to do a lot. It's going to do a lot of good, bro. A lot of it's going to do a lot of good. All right, all right. Let's move out of Saudi Arabia and on to Russia. I know oh, we're please. just oh, like fun. We're just this so fun. light today. It's we ridiculous. go to fucking Jamaica or something, please. <laughs> Oh, hey, the uh, their, their, their bobsled team back at the next Winter Olympics. So how about this? Um, all right, Benny. Uh, next headline is oligarch hoops adjace. The Russian foreign ministry said on Friday that they are open to a call with uh, U.S. Secretary of State to discuss a possible prisoner swap involving Brittany Griner. You know, we've talked about the Brittany Griner situation on this pod a bit. Um but the but the weird thing about this in, entire story is the way that it, it broke in the media almost was like how they've been talking about potential Kevin Durant deals. Be like, oh, yeah. uh, we're going to swap Brittany Griner and a first-round pick for the merchant of death. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty much how yeah. it's been It presented. sounded like the fucking trade machine like when people are talking about so, it. So, yeah. um, man, the fact that the U.S. government couldn't get a, at least a pick swap makes me a little upset. <laughs> but, but the, you know, the... This actually isn't funny, but this happens all the time. How like yeah. uh, governments like like swap prisoners and, and stuff like that. So what do you make of how this is all kind of un- unfolding in public? I feel like this should be like we shouldn't know about this right now. No, no, and this was one of the weird things about it was like I remember when this story first broke, and one of my first reactions was like, ugh, like I hope like the whole like media machine doesn't get behind this because it's going to turn this into something like crazy. And I hope that they can manage to get her out like before it turns into that. Then, you know, a couple months later, like kind of the floodgates opened and it was this, you know, like free, free BG thing going, you know, and like all of a sudden you weren't doing your, you know, you know, your service as a famous person, if you didn't say something about it and, and it became that thing. And, and I thought that that was going to lead exactly to the point we were, which is it's hope high profile enough now for Russia to turn it into a completely different thing. But in reality now, I mean, it's probably the reason she was arrested in the first place. It's like, you know, uh, uh, a very, you know, notable American person, uh, you know, made a, a mistake, which is obviously not very fucking serious. I mean, that's the crazy thing about all this. Um, and they got to capitalize it and they probably knew it, you know, from the get go. If you just keep her long enough, the machine will start in America and then we can turn it into this. So it's probably the reason she was taken in the first place. And one of the reasons it's sad that, you know, these very accomplished people in the U.S., like someone as accomplished as Brittany Griner 
still makes more, you know, two, three, four times as much money over there and has to put herself in those situations to go get paid. Like, um, you know, you don't see any of the other professional athletes having to do that. So, uh, that, that part bothers me. And the, and the thing that's just sad about it now is like, it's not confirmed yet. It's not definitely going to happen. So now I think like, we're just, you know, going into like a game of geopolitics that's so much bigger than Brittany Griner and so much bigger than basketball where like these things are now just being used as like pawns in a much bigger and scarier game than was even available to him first. Um, and if this trade or whatever is denied, the implications are like really serious and like whatever happens. So I think this is still an ongoing thing until she actually gets home. I think just the take away like the legality of it and consider the fact that like uh somebody who likes to get a little high is being traded for somebody um named the merchant of death i mean that's just the fucking world we live in you know the bizarre world we live in at this point but it's a sad story it's weird um I hope she comes home soon. I hope everyone comes home soon and it's over. But this is just like, ugh, it's like it's like a scratch and such it's in a much bigger issue, you know, that's just kind of scary to think about. And the crazy thing is like, she didn't even, she didn't even have like joints. Like she had like, like some hash and like some CBD oil for like oh, pain yeah. and mean, like, come on. And pain management and, and stuff like that. So I don't know, man, this is, uh, it's like, I struggle with this story because it's like, you know, you want to get innocent people out of a bad situation as much as possible. But are are, are you really like the Justice Department is, is is opposed to this, by the way. They're like, we worked hard to get this guy in, in, in our custody and we're going to give it up for Brittany Griner. That's a tough that, that that's a really tough thing to to swallow for. I think everybody involved here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems crazy. Like, yeah. like all of it just seems crazy. I, but, you know, are is this country and, like, the people, we, are we actually willing to let Brittany Griner sit in a jail for 10 yeah. years? Because that's the other... That, yeah, that's the other side that is this, right? the That is the other alternative. You could just say, okay, she was caught doing something, albeit, you know, super minor to a country like us, but restricted heavily there and this is the sentence and this is what you have to do and then you don't give up the merchant of death and this is when you know the theater of geopolitics and whatever the fuck is happening that's bigger than us starts to take play and take root and and it just gets it gets so much larger and spun on a level that that is hard to even understand man so yeah uh we're hoping Brittany Griner gets home soon uh the WNBA season has been incredible and they've missed her a bunch uh we did a, a bunch of stuff at work at, at all-star weekend and everybody kind of shared shared the same thoughts kind of get her home the espies did a, a whole thing so people are supporting her um it's just like the way that this is all unfolding is really unfortunate yeah sad
All right, let's get to... Uh, Benny, we got some contract talks this week and some interesting clauses. Um, in the era of player empowerment, teams are throwing a bunch of things in. Uh, let's get to some football first. Uh, in the past week, Cardinal quarterback Kyler Murray got paid. However, the Cardinals wanted some insurances as they added an independent film study, which almost sounds like he's a sophomore at Brown, um, mm-hmm. to his contract. Or they'll take away some money. They want him to study film for four hours a week, which, you know, when you're paying a guy over $200 million, so- sounds a- about right. Um, Kyler Murray took offense to this. He's like, I won't let my work ethic be in question, um, which they would not put this in if your work ethic wasn't in question. So the team wants to protect themselves. Kyler Murray wants to protect his, represent- uh, his reputation. Benny? Who's right here, or is nobody right? I, well, it's just kind of like stunning. For I mean, let's let's go back on this story to yeah. try to even understand it. Like the teams are leaking these stories, right? Yeah. yeah. Why? You know, like, do you actually think this is like uh, like an insurance clause or something? Like, if it doesn't work out, you're like, look, we knew it. We tried to put it in the contract. He fucked it up. No, like you you paid the guy. You know what I mean? Like, like, and what are you going to do? You're going to follow him around for four hours a week, like, like with a spy on his shoulder, making sure that this happens or something like that, that part of it uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because it's not good for anyone to, for this to be public information. It seems so strange that it leaked because in both cases, it makes both sides look bad. Like, it makes the the Cardinals look bad for shelling out money to someone they clearly didn't trust. It makes Kyler Murray look bad that, you know, as obviously apparently someone who can't play video games uninterrupted for more than four hours a week, you know, like, and you tell this stuff to normal people, this isn't like, don't ride a motorcycle in the off season stuff. You know, this is, can you please study for four hours a week? Denny, that's 35 minutes a day. That's one tenth of the average work week in this country to like to do this. So it makes Kyler Murray look pretty awful, honestly. But uh, but I can't understand for the life of me why the team would want this out and make your quarterback who you just put all that money in look awful. What's like, where is this coming from? Unless so the way so the team may have leaked it. But what's more likely is that Kyler Murray's agent went to like a, a shafter or like a Rappaport and was like trying to get this out of the contract. So the agent leaks it to the reporter and they get it taken out of the contract. So I don't see that though, but it's, it's like an agent's like paramount job to like maintain your client's reputation. It is like, there's no way an agent who works on behalf of a fucking player you know what i mean they're not just out there working rogue that's hard for me to believe that those two came up with a plan to release this information to to stay ahead of the team like it's all about reputation and and agents well that that's like what they do is try to protect the reputation like so if this never comes out, that protects the reputation far more than than it coming out. That doesn't seem sensible to me. No, because you want this on, on public record because chances are he's not going to live up, up up to the contract. There's going to be some sort of buyout and, and things like that. You want to get all of the guaranteed money. The NFL is the number one league in taking away guaranteed money. So if this is a, a public thing 
and say say he falls short of, of this, he gets the most money possible. At, at the end at the end of the day, reputation comes second to the amount of money his client's gonna get. So I mean, but does this like really like Cardinals are gonna be like, well, we were checking in on it and he only did three hours and fifty minutes last week and we're gonna withhold this week's paycheck or like like what happens Wait. with this? I mean, this is this is the NFL. This this is the same league that your your paycheck every Sunday gets taxed depending on what state you're in. So if you play two games in California, you're going to be missing a lot more money than if you play in Florida or Texas. So the NFL, man, dude, if there's any league that is like a penny pincher, it's the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. All right. That's it. We have another contract situation as well, and we go down to Zion Williamson. Uh, he signed an extension to stay, stay with the Pelicans. You know, there's some speculation over whether he'd want to stay there or not. Um, he signed it, but the Pelicans added a couple of escalators in his salary, his $193 million contract. Uh, if he makes an All-NBA team, wins MVP or named Defensive Player of the Year, he could make up to $231 million. That's the awesome news. The bad news is... Um, they've also added some, uh, I'm not sure what the opposite of an escalator is. If it's an elevator, I'm not sure. De-escalator. De-escalator. That's right. Um, that stipulates that he will have, uh, periodical, uh, periodic weight in period. So they're just going to check his body fat. And if the sum of the weight of his body fat, it must be below 295. If not, uh, the guaranteed money diminishes, which is, I don't think we've, I mean, I'm I'm sure that this has happened before, but not with a guy who you want to be the face of your franchise. Yeah. Well, again, this is one of those things where this one makes even less sense to me because, again, like I I'm having a hard time understanding why an agent or his camp would release this. And this was a team who was like, you know, unlike the Cardinals who were in a situation of like, do we, do we not overpay for this guy? Like, like, yes, he's not worth that money, but he's also a top 10, 12 quarterback in the league. And you have to pay that rate to keep one of those guys. Like, Mm. you know, in the Kirk cousins kind of way, like Kyler Murray is one of those bad contracts. That's one of it's a going rate. It's what, you know, your middle tier starting NFL quarterbacks are making. So it was more of a questionable decision. Like New Orleans, they had to re-sign Zion. They desperately wanted to re-sign Zion. They didn't want to be the team that lost Zion off of his rookie contract. They would have put any fucking clauses he wanted in there to to, to get that contract. So that's again another reason. I like I wonder I wonder, Denny, yeah. did both of these guys know about these clauses in the contracts? Because like, I can't see Zion being like, no, nah, fuck that. Like, you're not putting that in my contract. And then what? New, New Orleans is reneging the deal because of that? I don't think so. So so did, did they even know about it? Unless they were. So once again, how, how this comes down, down to money, I, I could see a, a situation where um, because I think Zion's value right now is still really high. What's it going to be next year? Um I mean, I, I still think he he get close to the max, but uh, you know, with 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 the way bird rights work and everything, his best option financially is to stay in New Orleans. They can offer him the most amount of money, so it's either 
take all of these things that Griff and everybody over there put in, or you kind of test your market value later. And the agent, like I said, is going to want to get the most for his, his client. But yeah, yeah, the fact that, I mean, I think they got these like escalators with and everything like that. Uh, it, it was kind of like, okay, we'll give you the 231 million with all these escalators, but you have to give us this. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But, like, again, this is where the... Because he's missed a lot of games, man. But also the enforcement of these rules is what seems so crazy to me. That's where, like, like I'm imagining, like, what are you, sending, like, an intern with, like, a Cardinals clipboard (laughs) to sit behind Murray, like, like, to make sure he doesn't check his phone while he's watching... Like, this happens in people's homes. Yeah. You know, like, he's only going to have to say, sure, I did this for 30... Like... He could put the shit on in the shower and not even watch it. I, I don't know. And like, like really, you're going to bring this guy in and, and fucking test his fat? Like, how often? Yeah. You know, like, like how often are we doing this? Like, like, what is this weird body experiment we're doing? Like, every time he comes to the stadium, like, that, that's where I'm having a hard time understanding, like, you know, maybe they're just like those BS, like, protection rules in the contracts, like, like those force majeure things, you know, like when... When it's like, yeah, we'll cover you unless, you know, a fucking earthquake hits your house. It's like, sure, we'll pay you unless you're like obviously like super overweight or like obviously have no idea what's going on in the field. Like these are probably both things that are in there, maybe as protections that that are clear. They're they're so unimaginably enforceable that I don't think they're going to be enforced on that kind of level. You know, they can't be. The Kyler one, I don't think will be in force as much. I think this is the last we're going to hear about it. But the Zion thing, man, that's a big, that's a big. Yeah, problem. but it, but it, but it's a stipulation. It's, yeah. it's like two ninety five or a certain fat. So like Zion could fucking bulk up like crazy and yeah. get to two ninety five probably if he wanted, and then you got to do like he could yeah, look like, like Terry Crews. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it's fucking weird, man. Hey, well, he's in the wrong city for that. I can tell you that. But uh, oh yeah, <laughs> tough city to keep weight off. That is true. I never even considered that. That is a that is a food food fucking city for sure. Delicious food too. All right, Yikes. last you get thing, a po boy fix. Yeah, that's right. He just gets some fried shrimp every single yeah, day. Every oh my goodness. Yeah. Um. All right, Benny. Last thing before we get out of here. Uh, the latest on Kevin Durant. We're just gonna keep updating the audience. Um, the Heat have pulled out. The Raptors don't want to part with Scotty Barnes. Uh, ben Stradamus over here said it day one, looking before everybody else jumped on, on the bandwagon. Uh, the the Celtics offer, though, was interesting. Uh, Jalen Brown, uh, first-round pick. Uh, Derek White. Uh, the Nets wanted the, the Nets would have gone in on this if uh, the Celtics provided Marcus Smart. They did not want to do that. Would a package of brown, white, smart, and picks interest you for Kevin Durant? Sure. And that's why Boston won't do it. <laughs> um, you know, like, well, I mean, Boston picks are Boston picks. Yeah. They don't really, they're, they're, they're usually never going to be great. Um, they're going to be protected. I don't think you're getting a, any kind of like for, usually franchise altering player like yeah. with Boston picks or, or the chances are low. Um, but, you're you're bringing back Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, then all of a sudden, you know, you're giving me 
two surefire, you know, starting borderline all-star, all defensive team type players who bring things to the table that are really interesting. And all of a sudden the Nets are automatically just as good if you bring those two back. And Boston may not be. Like I don't know if they're willing to do it. I mean, it's they came so close. Yeah last year and with a with a squad that besides for al horford all are trending up and young and signed and still have potential and like you know if you you trade the farm for kevin durant right now it takes a huge swing on the next couple years where yeah sure you got fucking tatum and durant kicking on all cylinders that's a that's a fun thing to think about just the way Kawhi leonard and paul george was a fun thing to think Hmm. about that we've never fucking seen really (laughs) so like i I think boston's not into this like theoretical outcome they're into the outcome of what we just saw and unless we can get much better we're not going to do it but the mistake was and this is not you know like my take or anything it's been highly publicized it's like like this does like alter a chemistry to some point Jalen Brown's always you know there was the questions for years like who is first fiddle Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum then you know as the years go on you're like okay it's Tatum for like a number of reasons and I think Brown not happily but went into that secondary role more and embraced like a certain you know element of what he can do on the floor to coexist with Jason Tatum and actually do this and then you know, this experiment works so well that you get this far in the, you know, <laughs> to, to the finals last year. And the first offseason right after is like, oh, I'm in trade fucking rumors again. And and Boston's making no effort to say, no, we have no interest in trading Jalen Brown, So, which they probably maybe would have been well suited to do if they if they didn't think the trade was going to happen. So I think Boston's put their foot in far enough now where they may have to like stay in the mix now, like to, to see not that they're definitely going to do the deal, but it's like, they already ruffled the bed so much that they might as well stay in the bed and see if they can get what they want or see if something's going to happen out of it. Um, so I think these talks are still ongoing with Boston and Brooklyn, and I wouldn't totally rule it out. Uh, if Brown and smart came back, if it was just Brown and white, I don't think so. Brown and smart, Sure. I'll take that. Uh, so so we'll see what happens there. But Denny, as you <laughs> called me, I like this Ben Shradamus. <laughs> you know, I, I said it. I said it months ago. I was like, I can tell I'm about to get emails from the Nets <laughs> about the big three coming back. Simmons, Irving, yeah. Durant. They finally get <laughs> to see this big three. I'm like, you know, and even with all these trade talks, like it's just, you know, uh, Kyrie's in a position where he just like really has to re you know cement his value if he wants his next contract and that's you know we've seen it a million times in pro sports if there's anything that gets a guy to play it's getting his new fucking contract so you know Kyrie's here Ben Simmons is taking his fucking jacked Instagram shots as I also <laughs> predicted yeah. Durant might stick around Seth and Curry Royce O'Neal good stuff no, I mean, and that's where, you know, you got to give Mark's credit for for keeping on. Like, you know, he, he re-signs Claxton, re-signs Mills. Joe Harris comes back. Seth Curry's on the team. 
uh, you know, you have a second year out of Cam Thomas and like a couple interesting players back there. Dayron Sharp. Uh, you know, I know I'm I know I'm getting deep now, but also like like think about this as is a realistic thing, right? No trade goes through. The Nets have to start the season like this. It's like realistic to me that this team comes out and all of a sudden you're like, oh, the Nets are 12 and three and they beat like Miami on the road or they have like a couple premier wins or something, or a couple TV wins. And you know how quick fucking narrative shift, yeah. man. Like it doesn't take long. It takes like one really dominant <laughs> win against a good team for everyone to go. Oh, <laughs> Nets are here, you know, after like two years of hating. So, you know, those options are still very much on the table. I'd like you to fish up that video at some point so I can take some credit for this. Will do. And then this trade request from Kevin Durant joins the likes of Kobe Bryant going on uh, like a, a kid in L.A. on his flip phone, asked Kobe if he wanted to be traded a, a few years ago when he when he, uh, all of the, like the Colorado stuff was happening. And he, he was like, I'm Dude. never going to play for the Lakers yeah. again. And it's just going right. to join that. Yeah, that was beyond trade conjecture. Yeah. I mean, he was literally on wax. Yeah. Being like, no, no, I'll never play for the Lakers again. This I is mean, just a Shams tweet, yeah. So, so it's, you know, this is a thing. Yeah. My, my, my ticket price might actually be worth it. I, I didn't think so. <laughs> I'm almost glad the reps didn't write me back. See? <laughs> Trickle-down economics. All right, plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tuna podcast at gmail.com. Be sure uh, to subscribe on YouTube. Um, we're doing a all every week we're going live on YouTube. Join us, join the party. It's a bunch of fun. Um, Benny is off social media, but Hey, if you want to see him on tour, he's coming to your city. Uh, gaslightanthem.com for ticks. Not, not Ticketmaster. Gaslightanthem.com. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't even tell you. Well, I can't you, even tell you. I'm sorry. You ruined it because I had the whole, uh, number one in your mind, number one in your heart, but then you're like, I'm not going to be on social media anymore. So sorry. I got an Instagram still. Hey, Benny Horowitz on Instagram. Hit him up. I'm at <laughs> Denny Gallagher on Instagram. You know the drill. Benny, do you got anything else? Yeah, I think I got to be extra liberal next week to make up for this. Oh, my gosh. This is a scary episode. What's happening? We're going to have Cesar Chavez over here. Oh All God. right, the show has ended. Go in peace. You've been listening to The Tune-Up.